Point of Order podcast, an inside look at California politics in the state legislature. I'm your host, Assemblyman Josh Hoover, and I'm joined again today by Assemblyman Juan Alanis from Stanislas Merced. What's your district number, Juan? 22. 22, District 22. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? It's always good times. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) What a way to start our Monday. (laughs) Exactly. No, it's a good way to start Monday. Uh, And uh, so so what are some of the things you're working on this year? I know we're back to a new legislative session. What are some of the the stuff you're looking to do? So as I was working on last year, same public safety stuff again, anything I can help with Prop 47, retail theft. And, uh, you know, spot bills are becoming a big thing right now with the, the two-year term coming to an end. And <laughs> and I know today you have to do certain amendments or whatever to keep them alive. So that's something Yeah, you got to get those uh, amendments into legislative <laughs> council today, right? Yes. So, yeah. So that was a big talk with today's, one of today's meetings with my staff. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see where we're going to go with that right now. I think we're up to like 20-something Wow, 26 nice. bills. That's a lot of bills. Yes. And if, if one of our colleagues gets her way, uh, I won't be able to do any of those if we limit to, what, 25? Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're <laughs> violating Kate Sanchez's yeah. uh, Sorry, uh, Kate. bill limits. That's right. So we, we should check Kate's ledge package to see if she's under the limit. Yeah, she's, she's following her own. <laughs> yeah, do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. Kind of yeah. What are your, uh, your hopes slash thoughts on the, the possibility of a Prop 47 um, something happening on Prop 47 this year. I really hope we bring some consequences back. Uh, our businesses, our communities have gone way too long without law and order. Yeah. And so hopefully uh, hopefully this is the year and uh, we'll be part of that. Yeah, there's that Citizens Initiative that's, I think, over 500,000 signatures now, which is, I think, a really important uh, part of this conversation, right? Agreed. And, and I, so- I think we need to come at it from all sides. Just yeah. keep... Yeah. You guys keep doing your thing. We'll yep. do our thing. And I mean, the big point is just crossing that finish line. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're going to, I think we're, I agree. I think we're going to get to something. Um, so uh, let's recap a little bit of what's going on this week. The big news, obviously, uh, legislative analyst office came out and said, remember that $58 billion shortfall that we projected in December? Well, now it's going to be $73 billion. Revenues are coming in a lot lower than expected. Um, uh, and so the the LAO, which is our nonpartisan legislative analyst office, uh, said, you know, we're uh, we're looking even worse than we planned. So a seventy three billion dollar deficit, fifteen billion more than they previously projected. But more importantly, uh, what is it like double what the, what or over double what the governor projected was about a thirty seven billion dollar yeah, deficit. 39. I think that is the big story. Um, you know, is that this gap between the governor and the nonpartisan LAO continues <laughs> to widen, right? So I don't know if you've been following that, but I, I've uh, I've heard uh, a little bit of it here and there about that. I'm pretty sure the governor's probably thinking about that at night again, <laughs> as, as you brought that up with him one yeah. other time. Yep. So I'm I'm sure he's uh, he's thinking about that even more, and I'm sure if we would have kept more Californians here in the state they would have been able to help with that deficit with their income and yeah. their revenue that they'd be generating. I think that's a good point too. I haven't really made that point before, but yeah, I think you're right. Like we had net net loss of California residents. Mm-hmm. Um, we've businesses. talked about it. Yeah. Businesses, right. Taxpayers. Mm-hmm. Like in my district, um, you have Hillmar cheese, one of the largest 
cheese producers like wow. in the yeah. country, maybe at least on this side of the Mississippi. Yeah. And uh, they moved to a different state or they moved their new operation to a different state. So that's that's a lot of revenue right that's, there as well we could have had. Yeah. I mean, and we're seeing that over and over again. Um, and yeah, I, I think you're right. So I, I think I'm interested to see, you know, how the governor responds to this. I think the initial comments from the governor's office have basically been like, yeah, we got to fix this. Right. But, um, you know, what we choose to focus on to prioritize the cut, I think is still a big question mark. So, um, you know, but, but certainly we're not moving in the right direction. That's definitely the question. (laughs) What, what is going to get cut? Yeah. That's what everybody's wondering. That's what we were wondering with him at that event. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When we saw him. Yeah. And and he promised us, right, that this was not going to be too bad this year. But it's starting to look pretty bad. I mean, $73 billion is not a small number. That's a lot of money. That's a B, not an M. Yeah, especially when you have 30-something in reserves, right? Like, that's over double your reserves. You're you're really in a bad place. So, um, so speaking of uh, uh, people leaving California, there was actually this story about people coming back to California, which I, I I wanted to be fair, right? And so I wanted, I thought it was an interesting story. Uh, these tech executives uh, who kind of moved to Florida and left, they're now, uh, I guess, moving back some of their operations back to the Bay Area because of the workforce, right? We do have an amazing workforce, obviously, in the Bay Area uh, for the tech workforce. Um, but it's mostly around this new AI boom, right? All of this, this growing AI technology. Um, and so there's a little bit of activity, I guess, coming back to California because we have such a great workforce, which we do. Now, the governor's office is kind of portraying this as, see, California's awesome. Even when you leave, you come back. But but the thing is, it's like, this is this is the problem, though, is we never change anything. We never acknowledge the problems. You know, especially the governor, he always is just trying to say, we don't have problems. We're just awesome. You know, and I think that's a that's a that's the wrong attitude to have. We should be grateful that a couple people came back, but we should also be saying, why did we lose all these other people? Or how can we get the rest of them to come back? Yeah. And we're not just going to rely on our good weather and our good workforce, you know, to keep people here. Like at a certain point, you know, we're going to keep losing people. And that's what usually does keep people here is the state you have so many different yeah. adventures you can go on in this state yeah. the mountains the ocean you you name it it's all here and that's what that's that's like our bread and butter here yeah and when people aren't wanting that anymore they just want to come back and visit yeah it's crazy I mean, and it's just this continued kind of reliance on on tech too right like we obviously uh, you know have do have a lot of great tech companies but you know, those are very volatile sometimes, right? I mean, I don't know if you saw the NVIDIA story. I don't know if you saw No, the, I didn't. They hit, like, I, they, their market cap was just insanely high. They broke all these records. Um, it became, like, seventh or eighth company worth over a trillion dollars. And they make, you know, they used to, they're known for making, like, over the years, like, graphics processing chips and stuff. But they make these GPUs that are incredibly important for the development of AI. And uh, and running machines that run AI, and so it's going to be really interesting to see that. But you know, that's 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 volatile stuff. You know, like so, it'll be interesting um, to keep an eye on that. Let's see. So we've got um, 
a new survey out from the PPIC. So they'd usually do these every couple months. Sorry, I'm kind of bouncing around here a little bit. I apologize. Um, so uh, California's in their government poll from the PPIC. Um, and they asked a lot of questions in this one. Uh, I believe the governor's approval rating dropped uh, below 50%, uh, dropped from about five points to when they did it. I think they last time they did the survey was in December, so it hasn't really been that long. No, that's a lot. And, uh, in just a short amount of time. Like, yeah, what what do you think the reason for that is? Well, I uh, <laughs> maybe what reason maybe I don't know if we should look the other way, not reasons why, but other things that have been going on, like yeah, like, like yeah. why they wouldn't pick it or why they would pick him. Yeah, that's uh, true. But obviously, the budget's a big thing, and that's been the biggest push right now. Is like, what are all the factors of why that is happening? Again, like we brought up, the businesses that have left, the people that have left. Yeah, crime rates are going up, so people also are being pushed out because of that. But I think also just Prop 47 in general, I think yeah. people also yeah. are tired of it. And I think maybe this is their way of showing it as well, saying, hey, we want something different. Yeah, totally. Yeah, some of the key findings from their uh, survey, let's see, four in 10 Californians name economic conditions and homelessness as the top issues for the governor and legislature to work on in 2024. Also, you know, two of the places, at least for homelessness, where we're not doing very well. Right. So I think that we're dumping a lot of money. into We're dumping a lot of money into it. A lot of promises, a lot of funding, but not getting the results. Um, I think that definitely plays a role in that approval rating. Um, uh, About six in 10 Californians believe the state will have bad times financially during the next 12 months. I don't know why it's that low. I think it's I think it's pretty clear we're we're headed towards a tough budget. I don't think they need a a crystal ball for that one. Yeah, exactly. Forty percent think the state budget situation is a big problem. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. Oh, they repeated themselves a little bit here. So yeah, there's just there's a lot going on, and I think uh, you know it's just uh, it, it's it's really tough when um, you know we we have all these challenges. We're not getting the results that we should be getting, and you know we do need to shift directions. But is there an appetite for that? I don't know. Um, uh, speaking of, uh, the economy, well, this is more of a affordability issue. So we're going back up a little bit here, but there's this great article in Politico about the utility bill skyrocketing. Um, it's, uh, so, uh, basically, uh, I, I just love the, <laughs> I got to read you the headline here because it was, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. So the headline out of Politico was Democrats push climate action then utility bills skyrocket, skyrocketed. Electricity bills are biting lawmakers in coastal Democratic-leaning districts. So this was in large part uh, a little bit about this utility fix charge that we've been talking about. Uh, the legislature passed it in 2022. Uh, now, a bunch of the legislatures that voted for it a year and a half ago mm-hmm. are now out saying, what is the PUC doing? <laughs> what is happening with all of these energy increase cost increases? And now they're railing against it a year and a half after they passed it. Um, and so I, I just don't know if you've been watching any of that and have any thoughts on it. Well, I just I, I see that common theme up here in Sacramento. We we push for something one year and then the next year we change it. Yeah. Uh, like artificial turf. 
grass, whatever, one year, and then the next year, oh, wait, no, wait, you got microplastics or whatever. Right, else, and right. They, they that's, a good, that's a good so example, like, yeah. Or or we've done, like, uh, fire retardant stuff on tents, and then next year they're like, oh, wait, 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 don't do that because it's, it's toxic yeah. to you and stuff yeah. like that. So I, I see that's a common theme up here. It is, yeah. So one of the legislators uh, were quoted um, that – I think they voted for the bill initially, actually, but he said, Californians are fed up. My constituents are uh, pissed off. I know because they told me over and over again at community coffees that I had in the fall and the winter, the rates keep going up. Okay, so the so this article then goes on to kind of talk about some of the uh, climate uh, mandates that we've placed on utility companies and, you know, just like a lot of the things that we have set in motion in California have really led to these cost increases. In fact, uh, I think it's something like 120% increases in the last Ouch. decade. So you, you're talking about consumers. You know, we passed all these policies that sounded good. And, and, and maybe their goals are good, right? You know, improving the climate, that's great. But when you pass those policies, do you think about the impact to the consumer? Do you think Unintended about, consequences. Do you think about the unintended consequences? It's, it's right? another big word up here that seems to be a common theme. But but we don't, right? Like so often we pass these bills because of their intent, but we don't think about how they're actually going to impact everyday Californians. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just just another example of that one. Um, uh, so let's see here. Uh, we've got uh, – are you familiar with the org- – I wanted to ask you about this in your district, the organic recycling uh, law that passed a few years back. I know they're working on that in my area. They're- so so I, that's why I wanted to bring it up because so there was this article in AP this week about so, you know, California passed this food waste recycling bill a few years ago and now everyone's trying to implement it and they're struggling, not not surprisingly. But how does it work at your house? Like what do you do you guys separate organic waste? So I've, I've had this same I've, <laughs> I've seen my wife like throw some things in the garbage. Like, Wait a minute. What are you doing with that? It's like, we don't have anywhere else to put it unless you go straight out. <laughs> To the right, driveway right, or whatever, yeah. right where the garbage cans are. I don't have, I have a recycling and I have a garbage. That's all I have in my okay, house. Okay, that's what you have. Okay. And I've always had that, but now I got to have a third one. It's like, well, yeah. where does that yeah, go? Yeah. And then even even outside with my garbage cans, my my area for the garbage cans is, is built for two. Okay. So now I have a third one that just hangs out like, hey guys, hi, totally. don't forget, yep. hey, I'm, I'm yep. blue. I'm the blue guy here. <laughs> and so now I either have to pour some more concrete or make the area bigger so all three can just fit in there and be out of sight. <laughs> the out struggle of is real, right? Yeah, the struggle is real. So it's like, hey, are you going to help like me your, pay for your my concrete? But like your actual race, food waste, does your like city or local government like make you separate it yet? Or is it like... Well, it, yeah. No, it's... it's You should be doing that. Yeah, yeah. With, with, and we've even had... Because I have cameras around my house. My neighbors have cameras. Yeah, yeah. And my, all my neighbors were sharing when the inspectors were... They they were they're, checking. They were going uh, through our, actual yeah, bins. Yeah, they were going through it. Wow! You can see them with their little clipboard and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah, okay. and they were they were issuing out warnings because education is what they should be doing at first wow. instead of enforcement. Okay. Yeah. And eventually it'll be enforcement, so it'll be fine. Very so interesting. Like, yeah, we've been like our city went pretty hard on it, like uh, giving out the little bins that you scrape your food waste into, right, and all that stuff, and kind of being very proactive on the education. That's the thing is, so one of the challenges is that there's just not enough being diverted right now. And there's at least if the goal is to meet the the requirements of the bill, right? I think you can debate whether the bill was the right decision in the first place. But the goal is after the bill has passed to divert more organic waste away from landfills. 
um, but they're not meeting the numbers that they were hoping to be meeting at this point. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is like re-education, retraining it, people. It is. It's a different culture. I mean, is what it on. needs to be. And, yeah. And you and I witnessed this last week with just yeah. the glass recycling. Yeah. With just recycling, right? Did yep. you saw all the other things they threw inside mm-hmm. with the with the glasses and stuff, or the the bottles, and it's just a matter of us getting into that culture of different practices. I know we're, they're trying to teach it with our, our youth yeah. to know that, hey, this is where this all goes. Otherwise, everybody just throws it all in the same garbage can. And yeah, I'm sure you've seen places where, and, and I, I, I recycle all the time. So people know that about yeah. me. But like when I see all these cans and bottles in the garbage can, one, I, I, I'm like, you know, there's a separate thing for that. But at the same time, like, you know you paid a CRV for this. You're basically yep. just throwing that money You're away. You're throwing the money away, right? Yes. Yeah. That's why my youngest son, he'll, like, collect them. Right? Good. He'll, good. Be, he'll be like, yes. hey, I'm, I'm getting this money. And I used to do that with my boys, and then yeah. they would we would go to the, the recycling, and then, yep. okay, what do you guys go pick whatever you want to go eat or whatever you want to do with it? It's your there money. You so that's what we would do. Yeah, and we've lost a lot of recycling centers, too, which has been a big problem. Um, and there's a lot of, like, imbalance in that market, I think. Um, but, uh, but, but, yeah, it's... Uh, I think that's always been the challenge with recycling has been we can't make it so complicated that people just give up, right? And I think, you know, I don't know if you ever go to these ballparks or whatever with like the four different cans and, and like they're all labeled. And you're trying to figure and you're out trying where. trying to like, and, and it just. You feel like an idiot because you don't know which one it goes in yet. But I almost guarantee none of that is working because people just end up giving up and just throwing it in one of them. Yes. And so it's like, I get the goal, but, you know, are we rolling it out in a way that actually is workable, right? Well, they, they, even, have, <laughs> so, they even have pictures of certain things, but you're like, well, can I put this plate in there because it's got a little bit of food on it? Is it <laughs> does it go into this one? Does it exactly. go into that one? Yeah. So it, it'll be it'll be interesting. I know that cities are really struggling with this too, and it increased their costs a lot as well. Figuring out what to do with this organic waste. So, um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Um, so another another uh, article on self driving cars. So San Mateo County uh, came out and is is basically. Uh, Waymo, which is one of the self-driving car companies, is potentially expanding into San Mateo County, and the county government there is trying to uh, slow it down. And so there's been kind of this big debate over, you know, can they slow it down? And and local governments a lot of times don't have a lot of say over that because the process is governed by uh, the DMV and and everything. But um, so uh, I just I always like bringing these stories up because it's like. Anytime you have a technology that's this disruptive, right, it's going to be really challenging to roll out. <laughs> Were you on the Waymo trip, by the way? Did no. you go down oh. there when we went down there? No, no, we, we went to, no, we went to like Uber and Lyft. Oh, we, oh yeah, we, we went to those other ones too. I went yeah, to that yeah. one. Okay, got it. But um, I don't know, like as of, because you were former or current, for, retired no, law retired, enforcement, no, yeah, I retired. think is the, is the way to say it. You're retired law enforcement. How do you feel about, self-driving cars and like you know how they're gonna kind of integrate into society (laughs) well i don't it's gonna happen eventually at some point i mean everybody's seen total recall so you know (laughs) you had that taxi cab driver that's like picking them up yeah exactly And, and also in my area one of our local grocery stores has those 
those little robots that deliver food to the house. Do they really? And those were going on for months and That's months trippy. and months. And yeah. And I don't have you, that. You'd see the little flag, and you'd see like the little, almost look like the Wally guy from Disney. That's thing. So funny. And they would deliver, and people were doing that left and right, and and you would see rows and rows of them coming off out of the store, going down the sidewalks, and going to the neighborhoods. And really, so I, I that's in your neighborhood. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes people would be a little, uh, I don't know, mean about it, and they would. Kick one over and you'd yeah. see it, and then they had to send somebody see, over to the, pick it that's up. That's always like, the problem. Like, yeah. Really? Come on, just let it do it. Someone's thing. dinner, right? There. Yeah, that was somebody's dinner. <laughs> somebody's waiting on that. <laughs> so they won't do a certain thing. They won't do alcohol, I don't think. And I don't okay. think they would do like ice cream. I don't think. I don't think it's right, insulated enough to keep can, it. Like, perish yeah. like that. Yeah, interesting. Man, that is trippy. I have not seen that in yeah, any of my communities cool. yet. So that's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, the future is going to be different. <laughs> It it For is sure. it is, but I I definitely uh, go back to my total recall statement. You're gonna yeah. get picked up by some taxi cab driver that's uh, just wanting your. Well, now it's just in an app. You're gonna he's gonna know where you're, they're gonna know where you're going before you get picked up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's true. So um, another story this year uh, that on remote work. So one of the things the governor is kind of trying to do is get more state employees back to the office. Uh, in person, which I think is interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, he apparently there's just all this confusion. So like the governor has said one thing, the health department said another thing, the HR, you know, Cal HR said another thing. There's like nobody knows what the actual requirements are. Now the governor's office is saying, well, we didn't say it's a mandate or we're, it's just a proposal. You know, there's all these different things. So nobody knows if there's like actual guidelines or there are no actual guidelines yet for. But I think that the goal is to get people back at least two days a week in person. I have a lot of constituents uh, who work for the state in my district uh, who are not happy about this. For, to for going back to the buildings? Um they, yeah, yeah. They, for 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 returning for from ending telework, right? From ending telework, I think there's a lot of people that feel it's working pretty well, and uh, and 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 are upset about this new kind of potential requirement or whatever. Um, but you know, it's it's a really uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion this year. And uh, yeah, I was just curious if you had any thoughts on it. Well, definitely, people working from home on so many levels. You can look, you can look at environmentally. Okay, people aren't driving, less emissions. Right. right. Uh, you can look at the mental health part of it. Okay, now I'm now I'm at home. I get to see my family a little bit more. I get to see my pet. Those kind of things. I I think the biggest uh, factor on this. Did they notice product productivity go down? Yeah, that would be. Did it go up? Did it go down? Uh, were people abusing? I mean, because I guess you could abuse it in a sense. Yeah. Just as long as your supervisors and managers are doing their job, I would assume they can keep you in line. But yeah, how does that happen? Like, like my old job, I couldn't. Yeah, well, of course, <laughs> I, right? Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I would yeah. uh, be in my my house and doing a Zoom, trying to pull you over and tell you, uh, "Hey, yeah. you, you were going too fast." Well, and I think that's why I think it's important that we maintain some flexibility, right? Because like every job is different. There's going to be some jobs you could probably do 100% telework. I don't think we should be forcing those people back to the office. You know, the governor's trying to sell this um, this as a cost savings. But if you really look long term, like telework is a cost saver for 
the worker and for the state. You know, like theoretically, if you didn't need that office anymore and you sold it or you repurposed it, uh, you're actually going to save money there on running a building, right? And then for the worker, it's it's an incredible cost savings. You have, you know, your commuting costs come down. No your, mileage. And yeah, your, your car maintenance comes down. Your environmental impact goes down. Like your, I mean, it's, there's a lot of obviously benefits for the, for the worker, right? So I understand their perspective on it. I so, think on the other side, you've got, you know, people like big city mayors that want people to come back. Well, you got, they're not shopping. Right. You know, they're not at the restaurants. I'm sure, you know, like something that was brought up that uh, James Gallagher brought up was they're not here shopping at all these local restaurants anymore. We've seen all these closures. Yeah. I mean, downtown Sacramento is, we've lost a lot of businesses. And that is a, a true, that is certainly true. Um, but, you know, I think it's almost like a transitionary period where do you do you repurpose what downtowns look like, right? So maybe people telework and live in other places, but, you know, you can build more housing downtown, right? And have people live downtown and it's, uh, and maybe fix the crime problems downtown. You might have some people come back as well. Well, you so. definitely would have less residential burglaries because people would be home. That's true too. Yeah. yeah. So that, that also helps. Uh, but Again, going to yeah. future, like we're talking about, you know, yeah. getting picked up by some taxi cab <laughs> guy. I can even see maybe some at some point if you want to look like into the far future, like Star Wars and stuff like yeah. that. If you look at the Senate and all that, they all are holograms, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we could be true. a hologram from wherever we are in a meeting, like we are right now. It's like and, the next version of Zoom. Yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, we need to get an app going on that. We probably make. Some hey, money. you know what I? I'm I'm down with that. I think <laughs> yeah. I think that sounds pretty good to me. Uh, as long as it doesn't get to the point you think they're real and like they can just pretend to be somewhere. That's pretty freaky. <laughs> okay. Um, so last story in our recap. So there's we're going to be talking a lot about artificial intelligence this year. Um, there was a letter written by a bunch of uh, AI experts, um, specifically uh, titled "Disrupting the Deepfake Supply Chain." So this is this, uh, you know, and, and they, they actually, I'll just read it here because I'm not an expert on this stuff, but they define deep fakes. Uh, deep fakes refers to non-consensual or grossly misleading AI generated voices, images, or videos that a reasonable person would mistake as real. So this is the stuff that is intentionally trying to fool you, right? Um, it is incredibly scary when you talk about, you know, child pornography, uh, when you talk about um, just missing, you know, uh, misleading the public on what maybe a public official might say, for example, that stuff's getting really scary. Um, so I, I, I wanted to, I didn't know if you have any thoughts on this, but I definitely think this is an area where we're probably going to need to make some, make some changes. Well, and I, I also going into public safety law enforcement side of it. You're talking about child pornography. So what about like prostitution? I'm sure they're yep. going to find other ways, but they'll, Hey, I'm not in trouble. This was uh, this is AI. This isn't yep. uh, this isn't a real person. Well, and so our colleague Joe Patterson in the Assembly is working on some legislation on sextortion, right? But it's really scary now. The sextortion being right, the um, you know maybe someone asks you, pretends to be someone they're not. They ask you to send a compromising photograph, and you do right. Uh, this usually is targeted at minors, right? Minors, they get minors to do yeah. this. You've, you, I'm sure you've seen this in your line mm -hmm. of work. 
uh, and then the miner, uh, you know, then they threaten the miner by uh, with divulging, you know, this photograph, and in exchange for asking them to do things, this has led to, you know, suicides. It has led to, I mean, it is absolutely horrific. Um, this practice now, there's people using AI to generate these images. They don't even need you to send them mm-hmm. one. They simply use AI to generate them and then extort you. That is really scary, and 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 I think you know, especially for our kids, that is that is hugely traumatic. Uh, that, that's a huge problem because then they really didn't do anything. Exactly, they didn't do anything at all. Period. You just have predators or you know people seeking to do harm. You're just targeted. Um, so it's it's uh, this this certainly is a brand new world. <laughs> I think um, the technology is getting to a point where, you know, I think as a legislature, we are going to need to take some action. I think we're probably going to need to take some action at the federal level too, though. Oh, it, uh, it won't just be our know, problem. Because It'll this be is not, Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I just I thought that was interesting. There was about over a thousand signatories on this legis uh, this letter calling to fully criminalize, you know, things like deep, deep fake child pornography to establish criminal penalties for anyone who knowingly creates or facilitates harmful deep fakes and require software developers and distributors to prevent um, their products from, from being used for deep fakes. I, I mean, again, that, that's a policy conversation that I'm probably not knowledgeable enough to have on this podcast at this moment. Uh, but I mean, I think we are going to need to establish some new penalties for do sure. We, do we know who like most of these makers are of these deep fakes? Or, I mean, like who the bad actors are? I mean, I, that's the scary part, right? Well, I hope is, it's not the one you were just mentioning earlier that's coming back to the Bay Area. Oh yeah, and now well, so so right. There's certainly adopt like there's AI adoption and development happening, right? But I think the question is just like with any technology, you can use it for good things mm-hmm. and you can use it mm-hmm. for bad things. And so people that seek to use it for bad things, there has to be consequences. I mean, this is the stuff we're talking about with Prop 47, right? Uh, It's like, uh, but I I was glad to see people actually calling for criminal penalties and criminalization of a very bad thing, uh, because that is what, you know, deters and stops these crimes from happening or holds people accountable. It does. So, you know, it's it's tried and true. (laughs) All right, so let's look ahead a little bit. A um, uh, lot of new bills getting introduced. Uh, so this one off the top we were just chatting about before we, we kicked off here, but uh, AB 2216 prohibits landlords across the state from instituting blanket bans of common household pets in their rental units, uh, essentially saying if you're a home a landowner or homeowner who wants to rent out that property, under this bill, if it passes and was signed by the governor, uh, you could not prohibit someone from owning or, you know, uh, bringing a pet with them when they rent your home. Right now, you can say no pets. Uh, it also, I believe, goes even further than that and actually restricts uh, charging even a pet deposit, um, essentially, you know, some pot of money to, you know, in case that pet does any damage, right? It, Which it will do damage recovery. regardless if it's an accident or not. It's going to do some damage. Yeah. I mean, there's pets, accidents on the floors. They chew right, up the sides right. of the wall, the yeah. doors. Certainly. There's so, going to be something. Well, and, and like different animals do different damage, right? Cats can be really, really tough. That's why some rental properties allow dogs, but not cats. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of different, right? Like things. Um, what, what was your, I don't know if you saw this bill, but was curious what your thoughts were. 
I I think again we should leave that choice to the person who's renting out the property. That's their property. Yeah. They should have a choice in how they see it fit. And here we are overregulating again, telling them what they can and can't do. If that person has a pet, then they go somewhere where it's pet friendly or they find a new home for their pet. Those are just decisions and consequences people have to have. Yeah. And and here we are now telling that person who's maybe just have this one rental or maybe a couple rentals, that's their way of life. And now you're forcing me to basically take a chance on a person who's going to probably incur damages on their place, not be able to pull a security deposit. On it, and now you expect me to pay for it. Cause yeah. Cause you made this law there. There goes another one of those intentions right there. Well, and I think another unintended consequence is going to be, you're going to see people back out of the rental housing market. They're going to say, okay, well, if I can't rent my property and protect my property and rent it the way I want to rent it, then I'm not going to rent it. Or I'm going to rent it for a very high amount to make sure I cover any and everybody. That's another great And point. then how, how is this affordable housing going to yep. be? You're either going to push up the cost or you're going to push those people out of the market. So you're going to reduce the supply of actual housing. Right. right? And terrible for affordable housing. If that's what we really, truly want to do, yeah, this is not going to help. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I, I think, again, a lot of unintended consequences here. I think it's actually particularly, um, you know, out there to say you have to allow pets, but you also can't make up for any of the damages. I mean, that's, that's pretty bad. I have dogs. I love my dogs. My dogs are great. But my dogs, they do stuff that I don't really want. And my yeah. dogs stay outside. <laughs> there you go. My dogs yeah. are outside for a reason. And like my wife, she hates dog hair, cat hair anywhere on yeah. She has lint rollers everywhere. <laughs> she would not go, want to go in my house because I have a golden retriever. Oh, then so. and she would be <laughs> she would be lint rolling right afterwards. <laughs> She's like, we if we if we do dinner together, we'll go out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my uh my dog is an indoor dog and he's very hairy. So um but no, it's, it's, I love my dogs, but you know, the reality is, and I do it, my dogs are the biggest wusses you'll ever meet. Like they're, they're not outdoor dogs. They're like the opposite of outdoor dogs. Um, they're a lot like me, actually. They love being inside, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, it's, um, I love them, but it, you know, you have to acknowledge as a pet owner, pets are, you know, they're amazing. They bring a lot of benefits, but they do, you know, bring uh, more wear and tear on where they live. Well, and right? if you also look at it, it's just a parent. If I have young kids, am I going to feel safe having a place that has a pool, uh, a second yeah. story? Am I going to be afraid yeah. of the stairs? I mean, there's all these precautions that I take on with my with my kids Yeah, that pet owners should be doing with their pets as well. I wonder if uh, the author of this bill is going to use that argument. Uh, we don't, we don't uh, require kid deposits because kids destroy houses, man. <laughs> like, so that's right actually, uh, you know, uh, no, I'm not advocating for this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I have uh, been around a lot of small children over as being a parent over the years, and they are, they're pretty rough on houses too. They can be. <laughs> um, grandkids. Uh, all right. So, by the way, I meant to mention it off the top here, uh, but total number of bills. Don't look. How many bills? I'm gonna make you guess how many oh, for, how uh, many bills you think were introduced this year by the uh, bill deadline? Twenty six hundred. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's actually a little less. Oh, uh, which is good. But six hundred nineteen Senate bills, 
1,505 assembly bills for a total of 2,124. Okay. So, but still, over 2,000 bills introduced bills. for you and me to analyze and debate this year. And, you know, obviously a lot of our colleagues as well. But that is that is a ton of bills. It's and, a- you know, you are a big part of the problem. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm just oh, yes. I think we had 24 yeah. last go around or so. We had 26 this go yeah, around. You're just like pushing the envelope on yeah. this, man. I'm sure your bills are great, though. Um, <laughs> versus some of the other bills we're going to see I, this year. And I usually tell people I prefer quality over quantity. There and, you go. But, you know, you, you you have your set package, and then somebody comes to you with an idea. It's like, oh, that sounds I really good. I, I want to help you out. That's a great idea. I know. And, and yeah, yeah, we can wait till next year. But if we can, if we have yeah. the time to work on it right now, we'll work on it right now. But Well, and there's all different types of bills, too. There's bills that are fixing, like, a problem, right? Or, like... Fix it, you know, uh, some language correction. Yeah, yeah. Fixing like maybe a problem in the code or a problem in you know some interpretation of something. But then there's bills. I think the ones that are really hard on the legislature are the ones that are like trying to basically shake up and just change, you know, uh, whether good or bad, trying to change something in a big way. So it's they definitely have different impacts. Well, right? Hopefully. A thousand of those is just a couple language fixes. Exactly, right? All consent, yeah. No, we don't want them all in consent because I bet there's some bad stuff in there, actually. Um, little quick note on gas prices because I know we're going to be having this con- uh, conversation a lot this year. Uh, we're currently, I think I tweeted this lot over the weekend or something, but we're currently the second highest gas p- prices in the nation right now. Who's first? I think we're second to Hawaii. Hawaii. I believe. But we, we rotate back and forth. We're, sometimes we're first. I think it, you know, this point in time we're uh we're second, but um this that's, new, that's not a title we want, by the way. No, it is not. Yeah. Well, and guess how good our roads are. Well, yeah. They're forty sixth yeah. in the nation. So. so I found out that yeah. our roads so there's a PSI test or whatever on roads mm-hmm. and uh our roads aren't aren't to standards as other states are. They they can help they can hold a heavier weight of a vehicle yeah. as opposed to us. And so I'm wondering if that's also interesting. Like, I'm I'm almost sure that's one of the factors. Hmm. And obviously, truckers are asking for more weight because yep. they're expected to go batteries, and batteries weigh a lot, weigh and they lot can't more. carry as much yep. payload. Yep. So now they're making two trips with the same payload they would have had with a gasoline or So they diesel. want to be able to carry more. So they want to be able to yeah. carry more, which puts more weight on our roads, which is like, we can't do that because we're already overweight as it is. Yeah. And yeah. so maybe I think something in transportation needs to be looked at as far as why are these other states pouring their roads to he- carry this heavy weight and California's not. That's really interesting. Yeah, that would definitely be. Especially just, just because about California is pushing the hardest on yes, EVs, on which EVs. are the heaviest. So If anything, we should be leading that industry yeah. on the roads. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, so from the SACB, uh, today we're number two. And I think I, I – think, um, Gas prices are projected to get above $5 a gallon this summer. So that's not good. But in addition to that, a nearly two decades old program, this is in the SACB, to slash climate warming emissions from transportation could cause California gas prices to spike as much as 50 cents a gallon in the next two years. So you're adding another 50 cents on top of that because of the policies we've passed, because of uh, the, the Air Resources Board that the governor oversees, right? Um, continuing to push policies that continue to increase our costs, whether it's energy, whether it's gas, whether it's, you know, groceries. I mean, 
at every level, we're seeing this. We don't often make the connection, but every one of these decisions is increasing costs for California drivers and consumers. Well, I would hope it does take a rocket scientist for the voters out there to figure that one out. Yeah. And and so right after March 5th, I bet the prices are going to go back up. <laughs> uh, not even June. I think it's going to go the week after March 5th. Might be right. And then before November, they're going to yeah. drop again. I think... That's what my crystal ball's telling I, I me. I like right that now. prediction. So we'll check back in on <laughs> that our... one. <laughs> but on the goods, our next story here, uh, we're working on putting warning labels on gas stoves. So don't worry, Juan. You know, we... so, so what what does it say? This <laughs> so should your gas stove come with a warning label? There's a California bill this year that wades into this issue, uh, basically requiring. Uh, AB 2513 requiring gas stoves by January 2025 to attach a warning label uh, that talks about um, emissions and uh, I, I don't even know all their um, all, all the requirements that are going to be on this label. Um, I think the warning label should be your food will never taste better than when it's cooked on a gas stove. That's what I think the warning label yeah. should say. <laughs> I would say the only thing they're going to get from that is somebody's going to try and rip it off. They need yeah. to put something like if they're trying to encourage people to go to like electric or whatever they're trying to do is maybe say here, here's a rebate. If you want to switch this gas stove into something else. And, and I guarantee you care. like 1% of people will do that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, Nobody wants electric. Stoves. When, when I, I mean, moved it's... to my house, I took the electric out and put gas in. <laughs> there you go. So you went the other direction. Oh yeah. 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 And my son did that just recently too. But it's a, such a remarkable difference. Gas. Yeah. It's such a remarkable difference in terms of, you know, cooking and Well, and when I, when I flip my tortillas, tortillas on my stove, I got to have, I got to have a right. I almost said the warning label should say something about great tortillas. Great too. tortillas, yeah. yes. There is a bipartisan tortilla caucus, like, movement in California, too, by is the way. Is it really? Yeah. And it's I'm, it's I'm, people I'm, that love tortillas, and they, they refuse to go electric. And, like, you know, it's like... I don't know. I'm just. We'll see where that I get one goes. It. Yeah. I, I eat a lot of tortillas. Yeah, so. I had three this morning. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's um. I I just think this whole thing. I think it's a little silly. I I think you know the warning label thing. It's just pushing us more towards you know, they're trying to get us away from natural gas, um, and and two electric stoves. But I think you're going to get a lot of again everyday Californians that really are not excited about that well then environmentally these labels are they going to be recyclable are they going to be toxic <laughs> what there you go um so i think that'll wrap there so i did want to say we got this little bad bill list real quick i didn't put it in the notes but um there's a couple on here that i just thought were really interesting ab 2744 prohibits vehicles from turning right unless there is a dedicated right turn lane and prohibits adding new right turn lanes. What's wrong with turning right? I need to. <laughs> I well, I mean, it's slow, right? I'm assuming because it slows the. If you don't have a right turn lane, right, it slows the person behind you down. It does. And now but, these now these cars are on the road longer. Talk about emissions that way. Yeah, that's true. And, and not getting to work on time, being late, makes them want to drive faster. But how do you do that and then prohibit adding right turn lanes? That's what I don't. So so what you have to make an existing lane. A right turn lane? Is that what that means? No, I would say you can't even do the existing lane. You just can't make a new right turn Every lane. Every time period. you hit a stoplight, it just 
ends, the lane ends and turns into a right turn and lane. And you and you just wait. I I mean this I I I clearly have not looked into this very much, but like it sounds on a number of different levels very com- complicated and um yeah, I'm I'm trying to pull up the bill here cuz I'm like I don't even understand what this Okay, so the bill beginning July or January first, twenty twenty five, prohibit the. You're writing diagrams over here. Yeah, I'm prohibit good. the addition of a right turn lane or travel lane within twenty feet of a marker on a crosswalk. Uh, and it would also authorize local authority to install a bicycle lane. The bill would prohibit the stopping, standing, or parking of a vehicle on a median. The bill would clarify that the that the turn is a right turn and would only allow the right turn if the right turn is from an exclusive right turn lane. That's a lot of the word right turn. Well, everybody's going to have to go back to driving school now, too. <laughs> Holy cow. So, yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that more when I figure out what the heck it is. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's that right one kind of stuck out to right me. Turns. And then AB 2042 uh, imposes restrictions on the use of an unleashed police canine to arrest or apprehend a person. It provides that the restrictions must prohibit the canine from biting in any circumstance unless there is an imminent threat of death or serious bodily injury to the officer or another person by the person against whom the canine is used. Uh, You are the expert on this issue, so I wanted to see if you had any quick thoughts on that one. So, as you may recall, last year, Assemblymember Jackson tried to introduce a canine bill last year as well. I don't, I don't this is a different bill number? Is this the same bill number? Um, I don't, I believe it's new. Okay. But I, yeah. So, obviously, the canine world, they have their opinions that they have brought into this, and, and they, they have spoken very loudly and constant. And so, another bill, as I don't know if you brought up 3241. Uh, is is coming up and supported by law enforcement okay. that yeah. actually addresses the actual issues uh, <clears throat> okay. that, that could be a thing and also standardizing okay. uh, with canines. Uh, basically, the, the, the 2042 that you've talked about uh, kind of defeats the whole purpose of having a canine. Right. Uh, I, I, I get the images and stuff like that that were brought up, but we're talking about from the 60s, maybe into the 70s. Uh, but canine canine work is much different, and and something that frustrates me is uh, appre- the apprehension is what they got into, but they didn't talk about surrenders. Mm. The surrender is the bread and butter of a canine unit. So, yeah. when I show up on scene with the canine and the the offender gives up, that's a surrender. Yeah. If the offender takes off, runs, and the dog is sent to go apprehend, and the offender gives up, and the dog is given a command to stop, that's a surrender. And and people don't understand it, but that that is how they're trained. I, I've I've caught dogs for a long time, so on the on the uh, yeah. on the arm and stuff like that with with obviously protection gear. And I've had them almost up into the point where they were gonna come to me and yeah. I gave up in the scenario to test the dog. The 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 canine handler Give them the command to stop, and they did, and that's wow. that's all part of training, and that's why they yeah. train so much. Yeah. yeah, and this is something that we tried pointing out uh, with. Uh, I always tried to to coin the frame uh, or frame the term, I guess you'd say, is uh, trading uh, bites for bullets is what we were doing mm-hmm. in that old bill, and yeah. you can't recall a bullet 
Yeah. Uh, you can recall yep. canine. Absolutely. And you, you're most likely going to be recovering from a canine bite than you are uh, a bullet. Absolutely. So yep. that, that's something else that I, I want uh, I think, those also in the legislature to realize. Yeah, I think that's a great message, bites for bullets. Yes. I think that's huge. And, uh, uh, and, and yeah, just addressing the training issue, I think, is, is a great way to approach it. Um, so I appreciate your work on that. I'm, I'm excited okay. to see how that turns out. And sure. I'm, I'm very excited also that a lot of the canine associations, if not all of them in yeah. California, are also trying to do what they can to help yeah. uh, to make this more transparent and, and more helpful for everybody. But getting rid of the canines is not the answer. It's just like Prop yep. 47. Yep. Get rid of any consequences was not the answer. You need to meet in the middle. You need to work on that. Yeah. And so this is something we're trying to prevent. Well, that's a good transition. Uh, I know we got to get you out of here shortly. We're going to wrap up momentarily, but I wanted to play our clip of the week real quick oh. uh, for you hey. and uh, get your thoughts. Good morning. Chad Bianco, Riverside County Sheriff. We are here today because California public safety is in crisis. Crime is steadily on the rise, and our public safety policy is one of the worst, if not the worst, in the nation. I want to make this clear and I want there to be no mistake in what I am saying. This is not by accident. The driving force in our crisis is a radical, progressive agenda fraudulently called criminal justice reform. This is nothing short of a sick and twisted social experiment where law enforcement is the bad guy and criminals are somehow victims of society and not responsible for their actions, their crimes, or accountable to their countless victims. This agenda began with the passage of AB 109, the so-called Public Safety Realignment Act. State government failed to take responsibility for prison overcrowding or their failure to build more prisons and instead forced county jails to house state inmates while simultaneously releasing thousands of felons early. So... Uh, he goes on to talk about, obviously, the three, the three things that he basically says are, you know, have led to this crime spree that we're seeing now is uh, what he just mentioned, realignment, AB 109, uh, Proposition 47, uh, which we've talked about a lot on this podcast, and then Proposition 57 in 2016. So uh, these are the really the three kind of uh, bad bills or bad i should say policies Mm -hmm. that we need to change in order to get things back on track um yeah so wanted to get your thoughts i know he was was very passionate words coming from sheriff bianca who's the riverside county sheriff correct and uh, i've messaged on all three of those as well and ab 109 if we just take that and 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 bring it down to the local level not every county agency was prepared to hold state prisoners. Uh, Not everybody has a facility that can hold them and be part of that. So now those county sheriffs need to decide who do I keep and who do I release? Mm. And so now that's, that's in their hands that they were forced to do, whereas normally they would be in prison. And we've shut down many prisons to the point to where uh, they don't want to use them up at all. So then you lost those jobs. Uh, Those communities lost that income for, for those that lived in the area. And then those uh, prisoners that used to be there are now released into the communities. Hmm. And we talk about rehabilitation. How do they get rehabilitated if we're just going to let them go? That's one thing that gets me with shortening these sentences. Yeah, yeah. Part of that sentence is also for them to get rehabilitated. And if you don't keep them in there long enough to get rehabilitated, then 
what service did you do that person? It's true. Yeah, it may be nice for them to get back to their family, but they also need to remember that they do one, like was mentioned, consequences. Yeah. We need to have people uh you know take on the consequence, own up to what they did and learn from it. Yeah. And how can they learn from it if we're just gonna let them out again? It's like giving the kid the time out for like ten seconds. Like, what are they gonna learn from that? They didn't learn anything. Make them at least do something to yeah. earn it. Uh so that that's a big thing. Prop forty seven, which we've talked about many times. Safe yeah. schools, safe neighborhoods had nothing to do with that. Yep. And they, they put these flashy terms on it, which, and I tell people, I'm pretty sure I voted for it also because who can say, say no to safe schools, safe neighborhoods? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> a great on messaging there on, on their part. And, uh, and, and even with 57 as well, they, they all, they all are ways to one, make the state less responsible and send it to the, to the counties. And now the counties have to deal with it. So now it becomes their problem, and now mm-hmm. you're letting yep. these people who normally would be in prison doing their time and, again, rehabilitating, but now they're just being out and they're committing more crimes again. They're going back to what they know. It's 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 just the way of life. Uh, it's kind of yeah. like with the homeless. You can't just put them in a house and expect them to start yep. living a normal life. Right. You need to domesticate them again yep. is what it is, and that's why you have programs that slowly integrate them back into becoming uh, domesticated. Yeah. And and it may sound terrible because like it sounds like I'm talking like a wild animal, but that's basically what they have become. And and now they need to be taught to get back into society, how how to uh you know, you sleep on a bed, you make your bed. Uh whereas now that they you go into some of them, they're sleeping on the floor still. And like sometimes you'll see the dog sleeping up on the bed because they haven't been domesticated to that point. And it's right. not their fault, it's just something that takes time. And so that's what these props, these ABs, this AB 109 also yeah. uh, have, have failed to do. I also look at with, with the criminal aspect because we don't always look into the rehabilitation portion. All we talk about is getting them back to their families, getting them back Correct. to society. Yeah. Yeah. But you're really setting them up for failure. Now, the rehabilitation part is, is so critical. And, um, you know, I think there's certainly people that can be rehabilitated, absolutely. And some people are... are may never get there, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to be honest about that as well. And you have to put them somewhere. And yeah. putting them in the community and putting them at risk is not the answer. Yeah. Well, appreciate your thoughts on that. Um, uh, to end on a slightly lighter note, uh, there was this great piece in the Wall Street Journal this morning about, is it ever okay to have an 8 a.m. meeting? I wanted to get your quick thought. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's okay. All right. I knew you were uh, going to say that. For me and for those who know me, I don't mind getting up early. I actually get up real early just to come yeah. to work yeah. and uh, with the hour and a half commute. There you go. Uh, but 8 a.m., it gets the day going. Uh, otherwise, I just linger around waiting and waiting and waiting, and and I don't hey, mind at 8 a.m. You know what? I appreciate that perspective. I'm <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> you, don't give me an 8 a.m. meeting. That's what I always tell my staff. Uh, anyway, hey, thanks, Juan. Appreciate thanks, you coming on again. Any final thoughts? No, thank Keep doing this. Right. Uh, keep people informed. It. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for all your good thoughts. Uh, sh- if you want to share ideas for future shows, you can email us at pointoforderpod at gmail.com. You can watch, subscribe, follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, threads uh, at pointoforderpod. You can also follow today's host on Twitter or X at Joshua underscore Hoover for myself and at Juan Alanis, A-L-A-N-I-S-C-A. Uh, thanks. I'll see you next time. All right.